You're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. Hello, you're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. I am Ash. I'm going to tell you about all the good shit you should watch and some stuff that Em watched. So I'm going to remind you, you shouldn't watch because I have better taste. Here is that Em. Well, hello there. What an introduction. One of the best. <laughs> and here is producer Stu. Hello. So right up top, should I tell you, because I always forget to do this and we end up waffling on for 20 minutes. We're going to be talking about, we're into Oscars season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. M has taken one for the team because I cannot partake in any underwater activities, even if they're only on screen, um, and has watched the Oscar-nominated documentary, which everyone went mad for on Netflix, I think it was, over a year ago now, My Octopus Teacher. Um, and then the second series has been rushed out of Solar Opposites. So I've caught up with these two. I watched the first series. They're going to tell you about the second series. Another oldie but goodie they think is worth you revisiting is Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. John Krasinski takes on, I guess, the title role um, as they bring this uh, from the big screen to the small screen. I'm also catching up. Welcome to 2020, Ashley, with Ted Lasso from Apple TV. That's Jason Sudeikis, but made by my number three, Honey. Um, and we have another Oscar nomination, which is finally coming um, in April. I can't remember the platforms it's on. We'll look into that and I'll tell you properly. But it I is... can tell you now because oh, I'm very organised. Well on that done. Front. It's actually coming to Sky. It's coming to Sky Skinema. Sky Skinema? Sky Skinema. Sky Cinema. So it'll be available Ooh. on SkyGo and Now TV. And I think as well it'll be coming out without an extra, you know, without an extra with payment. No you won't have to wow. think so. That is cheap. fantastic news because um, Emerald Fennell, I think this is her first screenplay, wrote and directed this. She played Camilla Parker Bowles in The Crown. Really up and coming, quite new. And this is just knocks it out of the park. This is an incredible film. Uh, and we've put it at the end for a reason, and we will get to that later. But first, um, you've got a. Uh, before we came on air, I was telling you all about. We're talking about our friend Rosie's fit baby, and I was telling you about my friend Anna's fit baby. Neither of them are Egyptian, but he has like these big. It looks like Cleopatra sort of eyeliner on. He looks like an Egyptian princess, and then you just lost your damn and, mind and started well, yeah cry and now laughing. i think it's, it's gonna be so disappointing when oh. i explain to you why probably but obviously husband the bad taste and i are as the rest of the world is we're struggling for things to watch together that we enjoy to watch together because mm -hmm. he currently is trawling through 10 seasons of x on the beach because for right. some reason husband the bad taste <laughs> loves to watch people just screaming all right you're mugging me off you slag That's but and i do not taste emma so exactly because it's <laughs> in the name However, the two of us the other night started to watch Lucifer, which I understand oh. has been quite the hit. So three seasons, oh, I yeah. think, on People Amazon went Prime. mad for that. Yeah. And then they cancelled it. And then Netflix picked it up. And I think Netflix has made, maybe they're going to make four more. I think they're finishing on season seven, which is pretty good going. And it stars the British actor Tom Ellis, who I kind of only knew from... Um, being married to Tamsin Althwaite before. But the reason I was laughing oh. so hard is because it seems that really all he does in Lucifer, he's like, it's kind of like Dracula meets, because the premise of Lucifer is that obviously he is Lucifer from hell. He's taking a vacation from hell. He's come to earth for some reason to run a nightclub That's and lame. just to kind of, 
be naughty, <laughs> but he, he, you know, and he finds a um, detective who is immune to his charms because he's been spending his time just having all the sexy sex and all the bad behavior, but she's immune to his charms. So he sort of teams up with her to solve crimes. But it entertains me because I think all he really does is wear eyeliner and talk like this. He's terribly cockney camp. He's like, oh, I can tell what your oh, hidden desire God. is. <laughs> and it's to have all the sexy sex. I'm going to do so much damage to you. Oh, gross. It's, uh, <laughs> it is Problematic. Quite, well, <laughs> well, it's not problem. It's more ridiculous than that. And he is surprisingly charming. And there are, there are echoes of, if you remember that three part of Dracula came out last Christmas with the mm. Danish actor. I lo- I was thinking of that as you were talking. Is it the shit version of that? Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, a much, much cheesier version of that. But it is surprisingly watchable. I don't know, we've watched about four episodes normally quite late at night. And it's it's a bit like The Mentalist in that it's pretty much always the second person you see on screen is the person who's done it. And Lucifer Amazing. tracks that down by being able to read their hidden desires, which are normally obviously money, sex or power. No shit, Sherlock. So I'm not highly <laughs> recommending Lucifer, but your chat about Island made me think that that is pretty much how he has that part. Well, I'm sure my friend Anna is thrilled and appalled that that made you laugh out loud at the thought of her sweet would, baby. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, would she not be more appalled by the fact you describe her baby's, what you, you call baby's fit? I said what, super cute. Fit? And you were like, fit, fit baby. I mean, that sounds a little, fit is maybe not how I normally describe babies. Fit. Cute. I'm a millennial. Fits interchangeable with nice and friendly and cool. Stuart, fucking back me up on this one. No, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to agree with everyone on this one. I think calling uh, children babies, whatever, fit, weird. Is problematic. Yeah, problematic. Yes, thank you. Ella. Moving on. M with a shit taste. Watch something else shit this week, which I told you not to watch. I don't think I, you did tell me not but to. I, to, I, I think defied. I told you it was shit before. You, but well, you told me you watched it, and I was like, really? Well, the thing is, because I'm also currently halfway through The Stand, which, as we've talked about before, huge Stephen King fan, I think this is an example of how poor this adaptation is. Even I have only dragged myself halfway through it, but I can't give up on it because it it is my boo, as you would say. Stephen King is my boo and The Stand is my main boo. I was talking about four weddings. Yes, no, I know you were. I'm coming to that. I'm coming to that. (laughs) So... I have invested in an extra subscription, which is the Stars subscription, which they're showing the stand on. And this is how okay. I picked up Paul Graves in a Funeral, the TV show, not the movie, written by Mindy Kaling and starring Natalie Emmanuel, famously Missande from Game of Thrones, if you're me. Okay. And a, another kind of interesting multicultural cast. And yeah, it's pretty poor. Richard Curtis is, I believe, executive producer on it. But I, I thought you were going to say rolling in his in grave, because that's how I would be. I am three episodes in and almost quite enjoying it. Andy McDowell just popped up in a cameo, for heaven's sake. I'm hoping Hugh Grant will be it's... there any minute. Also, the guy oh, popped amazing. up in a cameo from the first one who tries to bed Carrie, you know, the one who, who wants to bed her in the pub. It's like a fine young film. Oh, anyway. yeah. And you said it's terrible, but I'm actually, compared to the other shit that seems to be on stars with a Z, which is mostly historical yeah. rippers. So um, once you've finished the stand, cancel that subscription and um, get on with your life. I do, although it did allow us to watch The Great all the way through, which was indeed great. You did like the, that. The You're trying to get me Nell to watch Fanning. that. 
Well, Ashley, we will be talking about Ted Lasso later, and I tried to get you to watch that all the time, and you poo-pooed me. And now, a year later to the party, you're like, oh, yeah, it's actually really good. So who was right there and who was wrong? Well, yeah. I don't think you went heavy enough into how much Brett Goldstein's in it. If you just told me that up top, then I think we would have been fine. I don't think I realised you are lost for Brett Goldstein at that point. He's my number three boo. He was like, maybe number two while I was watching it, but back to number three now. I've remembered (laughs) Michael Sarah exists. So, yeah. That's his way up there. Well, was that following, obviously, the very sad news this week that Jessica Walter died of Arrested Development and also Archer fame, pretty much playing the same role as, as drunk matriarch. But, you know, what an awesome, awesome actress and another if you are in the in the home in the home stretch of lockdown or if you're looking for something even without lockdown investing your time in watching arrested development from start to finish the hit of the noughties is a great investment of said time it's um free on netflix at the moment and you can buy it kind of cheaply on amazon um do arrested development watching it you'll recognize that every more modern tv show you've watched Mm -hmm has stolen the humor, stolen the timing. So much of what Arrested Development did was the first, because it's over 10 years old now, I think. Um, launched it's the careers of Michael Sarah, Jason Bateman got super famous off of this. Um, Portia de Rossi. Portia de Rossi. No, no one thought Portia de Rossi could be funny after Ali McBeal, and then right? she turned out yeah. to be insanely funny. Killer cast, yes, uh, brilliant writing it's just c- completely avant-garde and brilliant original premise definitely just go back and watch Arrested Development from the beginning lockdown or no lockdown it's totally worth it and night talking of lockdown how is everybody feeling about the impending end of lockdown because we really are as of we're recording this on Sunday and as of tomorrow we are in gardens we're allowed and park six people in a garden or a park the rule of six outdoors i don't know two households Stu, what do you reckon you've been at work the whole time so what you you'd be different i am feeling weird about having to get up at a certain time and leave the house and be gone from the house that's making me feel odd like being out of the house for eight hours a day do you hang on so what are you where's the rationale there are you just thinking generally not rule of six time but later on when coming back as we as we come out like i've never been to work in this job and I worked from home 80% of the time for the last six years anyway. Well, my, my sister's in the same boat. I mean, she started a new job at the start of lockdown, but bearing in mind, she really, really didn't like her own job and has her own reasons for mm. needing to work from home, if only a little bit over the course of the week. Um, mm. And her previous employer uh, was largely inflexible in that capacity. It was quite funny. when and she... now they've been taught that they have to be, and they actually can be. Exactly. So, so in lied her... to her. It's quite, yeah, exactly. It's quite funny that in this new job that... Dicks. Oh, yeah. first cunt of the week. Cunt to your sister's ex-employer. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you who they were off air, and, and you'll okay. laugh. Um... I'll troll them into administration. I'm good at that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, long, long story short, it's quite funny because she's gone from not being able to work from home at all because the previous employer wouldn't allow her to having no choice and she actually quite likes it so yeah it's weird surely with your job ash though they're not going to make you go back to the office are they 
full time, surely you'll still be know. able to do quite a lot of remotely if you want to. I, I yeah. guess for your job, Ash, I think it would make more sense. Yeah, certainly a lot of it can be done from home. And I know certainly in your last job that you had a bit of flexibility in sort of working yeah. from home, particularly with the sort of social media stuff. My last job was with you, Steve. I know. Yeah, you only saw me in the pub, even I... though we worked in the same place. Oh, unless, unless you had <laughs> IT problems, I'd come fix them. That was the only other time. <laughs> um but no but no long story short i think it's um i think i think it's it's good i mean i know you're a bit of an introvert Ash. you like to sort of keep away from people and everything but i think it's healthy to get out and have a bit of routine yeah and get some fresh air that's change the scenery thing. all that so when i started this job i was really excited to get back into the routine because i think i did go a little mad with my home working before because I wasn't totally busy nine to five and you can just go into your own little K-hole of having nothing to do for most of the week. So I was like, yes, new life. This is going to be great. In the office, I'm going to be awesome. And then I get the job on the day after we go into national lockdown. And I've been in that office four times, I think, including my interview. But now I've just like gone right back into the insular of working from home and getting to know my... Like It did take me a year to get to know how to do this job. It takes a long time. To learn stuff remotely is painstaking. Yeah. But I think, I think now I'm like in my own routine. I'm like, oh shit! Now I've got to change again. And yeah. it's like, well, I think th I think it will be good to change up a bit with with some new interactions and some new people. I think my sister will benefit from okay. the same things. And it'll be good to actually take inspiration. Meet, yeah, meet your colleagues. Turns out you might actually quite get on with them. So being able to socialise them after work be cool. All that jazz. I'm missing the social interaction. It's all well and good being in the yeah. office, but it's, there's it's, no one else there. It's, it's like a, it's a building for three thousand people, and there may be less than a hundred people there at any one time. And yeah, it's quite nice to bump into all of them every now and then. The conversation, yeah. a socially distanced conversation in the corridor, but it's it's not the not same. The same. No. It could be worse. We could be stuck in an office with our brother, who are, would be get off my dick, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Like poor Emma. I was wondering how long you were going to say, yeah, that I have been going with you. Hi, Richard. My brother. You big cunt. Least, <laughs> Luckily, he never, ever listens. Thank Lies. You. He um, listens. He'd never give you the satisfaction he, of letting you know. He, yeah, it's true. I'm in the office, obviously, with my brother, mm -hmm. my nephew, and my father, mostly. But I was going to say, Ash, you need, like, you just commented, you were like, my God, Emma, how come you've got the, how, how come you'd be asked to wear fancy dresses on a Sunday and I was like you always wear clothes so don't you <laughs> I was going to say well one hopes yes um, yeah I, I, I don't, don't. Tend to turn up work naked um, I've never seen you naked on this podcast oh, these aren't point. clothes Emma this isn't this I was going to say take inspiration from your wardrobe and think wouldn't it be nice to put something on that you know then requires you to kind of be social to live up to it that's what i'm trying to say you've got a beautiful headband on rocket i've got my party headband on some sartorial inspiration it's the best kind um stupask before we get started on the first thing which is an oscar nominated thing do you think this might be the year that you invest in awards season and stay up all night and take monday off work and come <laughs> to the oscars Please, I... I have a big screen. It'll be so fun. It'll be like a podcast day out. When, when is it? The best kind of day out. When is it? Oh, it's in April sometime. Hang on one sec. End of April. February, I'm not sure where our rules it's a, are it's by then. 26th. Okay. So you need to take but Monday the 26th off, but it starts like 10 p.m. Sunday the 25th for us. Okay. Maybe. We'll see. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I sent you something. Such enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, I know. It's I sent I sent Ash something earlier in the week. Actually, I sent her something that really sort of summarised my attitude towards at least the element of the awards season. I, I think it was on the group chat as well, and you saw it too. Um, it was 
the year when Star Trek Discovery or Into Darkness came that out. That was bullshit, I agree yeah. with you. And they did this fantastic... Um, it wasn't just this one person across the entire cast. There'd be all they these... built silicon faces. Yeah, for all the aliens, all the, all the actors playing aliens. And the diversity of different aliens you might have on screen at any one time. And all this, and all this beautiful silicon, as you say, makeup and blending in their skin and the makeup with the prosthetics. And then they give the fucking award for best makeup to bloody Suicide Squad. It's like, no. Suicide fucking squad. Yeah, like, come it's... on now. So, Although the new trailer for the new Suicide Squad oh, is coming. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Does it look good? Because it's James Gunn, obviously, who did Guardians of the Galaxy 1 I have two, to so I'm admit, for good things. It is intriguing, and it ain't going to win any makeup awards, but it might win some special effects awards. I'm not, um, though, taking away anything from your Star Trek. It's a bit like the year that Crash beat Brokeback Mountain for me, Stuart. I, I then retreated into myself and sobbed for a week. Not as bad as the year, so the 2019 nominations, um, when I think our neighbours first started hating us, because I think we had maybe eight, ten people crammed in the lounge. We're projecting onto the onto the wall that um, we share with our neighbours because we're semi-detached. So we're all shouting towards this wall. It's the end of the um, awards, maybe 4am, the best picture Oscar comes up. And we scream in unison, fucking Green Book. Green Book won Best Picture in 2019. Would you like to know what it was up against? Go on. Vice, A Star is Born, The Favourite, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther, It Gets Worse, Mm. Black Klansman, and Roma. Green Book. I never saw Roma. Roma I never saw was Roma. Excellent. I heard very good things about it. I never saw Black Klansman. I would have Black Klansman is out fantastic. Of, out of that selection, my vote would have gone to Vice. Had anyone bothered to ask me, I think Vice is one of the most Vice brilliant is, films. Yeah, Vice is good. My, I love Vice. My vote also goes to Vice. Vice beer. I'm drinking it right now. Vice beer. <laughs> Weirdly, Roma was nominated and won Best Foreign Language Film. So it was nominated in both categories. So they knew it was brilliant, but they just gave it Best Foreign Language to get it out of the way. But fucking Green Book is dire. What even was Green Book about? Happened. I don't even remember it. Oh, exactly. He's doing it was spe- Viggo Mortensen and um Oh my goodness, the guy from the third season of True Detective. So he wasn't even the main Who character in True Detective, just from the third season. No, it's a two-hander, no. it's a two-hander, really. It's Viggo Mortensen. Maharasha! Ali from, um, yeah. from uh, Moonlight. Moonlight, and also the excellent And the Calvin Klein adverts. But he was the main part in the third season of True Detective, which was when True Detective went back to being good, because if you remember, first season, awesome, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Second season, Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell. Very questionable. Third season, tiny, tiny thumb looks like a thumb. Stephen Stephen Dorf, oh, Maharasha Ali. Anyway, he was pretty good, and he played a dry. It was a dry. Viggo Mortensen was a driver. He was a jazz musician, and they had to go down to the south. And it was during segregation. And the Green Book was somewhere that it was the, the list of places that you could stay. The black people could stay. Were black and in the south, and it was a. I would sort watch of very it. gentle. It was a very gentle drama, really. It, it was a generic really... retelling of an explosive, horrific period in history. And I, because I... he was also gay, I believe. I think they, I oh, think was they he? kind I of touched on that. things that didn't really. So it almost, it almost their... sounds like the Green Book <laughs> is Lovecraft Country without the Lovecraft. All right, Stuart, yeah. we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would give Green Book a watch. It's not it's not an Oscar Betts picture. It's a lovely enough Sunday evening film. It's very sweet, great actors, incredible story. But I think it just did it did the story an injustice and a disservice, and it wasn't big or good enough. But I feel we've talked about this before, and sometimes I feel that particularly Oscars can go very safe, and things can win because, you know, first of all, the Oscar voting guys are very old and quite often haven't seen a lot of the films that are nominated. Like, I can't imagine. So your superhero stuff gets sidelined a lot. Exactly. Um, Now, I like Black Panther, but I am still shocked. No, but I'm shocked and appalled that they never put Endgame up for Best Picture nominee. It won, but it is a travesty that they didn't nominate that for Best Picture the year that came out. Because So it, Black it, Panther was, was a very clunky overcorrection for Oscars So White, which happened in 2018 when lots of um, black stars boycotted, refused to attend the ceremony. Lots of people spoke about it on the red carpet because there was not one black actor nominated, I don't think, in 2018. Yeah. So... They shoved Black Panther uh, in there. And is that really an Oscar best picture? It's a great action film. I don't think I I I think they didn't, didn't they get a lot of um, uh, nominations in like costume and stuff? Because the costume design for Black Panther. They got a lot of nominations across the board, but it was Mm. a shock and a surprise to see them in the best picture. It it did did feel, and this is unfortunate, it did feel a bit. And they expanded the best picture category that year to be able to tokenize and shove more so they can can correct their. I don't think it was that year they extended it. I think they extended it previously to being able to have up to I 10 films. But it did right. feel slightly tokeny. And for me, it's not even the best Marvel film, Black Panther. It's, right. it's good, but there are better, like, there are better ones. And I'm still yeah. I'm it, horrified it, it, that they didn't nominate them. It feels ones. a bit like um, the, the Oscars have sort of taken down the same sort of avenue of criticism of that particular genre that, say, Martin Scorsese's done, where he's come out and said, well, all of the Avengers films are like a theme park. Um, it's all just an attraction designed to draw money in yeah and it's well something i don't know we all know how much we're missing them which is why we're all lapping up wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier which is why we can't wait to get back to the cinemas to see black widow you know the excitement levels will be high Stuart, i'm reminded now i happened upon a website you were like um looking for weird t-shirts t public t.ee public.com there's loads of WandaVision t-shirts and they're all on sale for like $13. I think you'll love them. So my, my favourite uh, t-shirt website is QWERTY.com. Uh, it's a funny oh. little pun on the keys so you, you use on your keyboard to play video games. Q-W-E, <laughs> well, well, Q-W-E-R-T-Y, that's, that's what you call the, the keyboard left, layout. Yeah. But yeah, QWERTY. That's where I get my knitted shirts from. So you won't know, you won't have been, hadn't been graced with your eyeballs with Stuart, only his dulcet tones, but Stuart wears a different probably star wars or superhero themed t-shirt every day of his life that's star trek i know that correct star trek <gasps> point star trek is your absolute favorite isn't it Stuart? so, I, I, so this, this is this is in in terms of the sci-fi universe things i've grown up with and could probably talk more about the history of a, of a shared nerdy fictional universe than any real history would be star trek yeah i mean there's been I know. I think there's been this statistic came out recently with like the last episode series of Discovery. There've been like eight over eight hundred hours of content or eight hundred episodes put out or, or on screen live action iterations 
of Trek that you can go away and watch. That's from the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Discovery, Enterprise, all that. The entire thing. It's huge. And it could take you through another pandemic, Stuart. Exactly. It's another pandemic full of content. And do it. Have a have a go. It's not for everyone, but it's quite fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, I okay. know. Okay, <laughs> so talking about Oscar nominations, shall we start with our first? Because I'm the only yes. one who's seen this, so we won't be we won't be long on it. And I feel we were late to party. You said this came out over a year ago. It, I have I, bet, I have to correct you. You know how much Sauce. I love to correct you. Came no came out in September on Netflix, and at the time it came out, I was aware. Was of it only last of September? My... Oh, September twenty twenty. Um, and this is called My Octopus Teacher, and it is an hour and a half documentary on a South African freediver called Craig Foster, who sort of forms this relationship, really, with a female octopus that is in the kelp forest in the Atlantic Ocean, very near where he lives in South Africa. And he dives to the same place every day and sort of makes a connection with this octopus. Um, from what I understand, Marine biologists and scientists are quite interested in octopi anyway. Octopuses, octopi? Because husband with a bad taste is, in fact, reading a book about octopuses next to door to the bed. And there is this belief that they're, you know, aliens or they can puzzle solve. And so that it could be that they are, particularly for an invertebrate, incredibly intelligent. And certainly in the year that this guy, Craig, is diving and seeing this octopus, Octopus all really basic. There is this idea that they have this connection that the octopus will come over to him, will come and physically lie on his chest or on his hands, or reach out his, te- you know, reach out the testicles. And there is this sort of what the hell? Hang on, did you, did you mean tentacles, m- Emma? What did I call them? Testicles. Testicles. <laughs> testicles. Do you know what? I was like, whose testicles? Do octopuses have testicles? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What's going on? I was watching the end of this with Judge Jacob this morning and he came in and he was like, I think octopus's head looks like nutsacks. And I was like, well, not thank you, Jacob. Sorry, tentacles, because this is a female. I'm pretty sure octopuses don't have tentacles. I am so sorry. <laughs> tentacles. So, but you don't know how much of this, some of this I feel is anthropomorphic in you know, in the style of Disney or, or all of this. Oh, really? Of thing. I don't think that they have an emotional connection. I do. I mean, octopuses are incredible creatures. Their their um their talent at camouflage, the way they change their skin color, the way they can change their texture. At one point, the octopus is um trying to avoid the pajama shark, which is the key predator. They call them. Pajama you said shark. there were no sharks I, in this, and I should watch yeah. it, and I'd be fine. I lied. I knew you were lying. I knew you would lie. Everyone lied. I, like, I wasn't aware. I they're, they're very little sharks, so they're not oh, like kind of jaw sharks. Pajama sharks are does not little. matter. Does not matter. But at one point, she's trying to avoid them, and so she gathers up as many shells that she can can get on her suckers, and then they hide like a rock. It was fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating, and the filming is incredible and i believe some of the filming is done by cameramen who worked on david attenborough documentaries wow Luke planet so the the, yeah. the filming is it is beautiful to watch it is very soothing it is narrated by this guy yeah. craig foster who sort of is trying to draw parallels with his own parenting and his life is suggesting he's very burnt Aww. out by this point and this year of dying insanely cold water and free diving so it's really snorkeling he's not diving with a tank 
is just going down for long periods of time with one breath and then so sometimes he misses some key bits because he's got to come up and breathe so there was i think at one point you think the pajama shark's going to get the octopus about as grippy as it gets think the pajama shark's going to get the octopus doesn't he misses the key point there by having to go up and breathe and then comes back down the the octopus has gone to his back yeah you mentioned the filming specifically so this was oscar nominated for best documentary bafta nominated for best documentary um all the other nominations it had are for cinematography and the sound so they've been um nominated oh god there's over 10 um film festivals they've been nominated for audioscape and uh filming they're nominated by the pga so producers guild um for theatrical motion um, and is this, I was sold on this, hoping, because there was, there was a string of documentaries that were coming out on Netflix where the title and the premise told you one thing and then you ended up going down a whole other dirty, weird rabbit hole. Does this happen here or is it just beautiful to watch? That's it. No, it is a very straightforward hour and, hour and 25 minute, incredibly respectful documentary about a fascinating underwater creature it, it doesn't it, it's no more than it says when it first came out it was mostly actually sort of people my mums my age who were watching it with their kids and there was suddenly this sort of oh. plethora of facebook entries about how you know <gasps> up, you know how touching Sorry, they found they're playing it. A, they're playing a trailer i got frightened i'm on its imdb page you really couldn't you really couldn't watch this sorry <laughs> And there was a lot of people who said they really cried at the end. I mean, there's no, it's no great surprise because I think an octopus's lifespan is approximately one year and they are- Everyone dies. To me. Well, everyone dies. They die though by creating their babies. That's how they die. So when they mate- Ooh, dramatic. Like a reverse- When they head. mate, that's exactly, that's the end of their, that's, the, that's effectively the beginning of the end of their life Aww. because then they have to oxidise the eggs and look after the eggs and gradually just give all their strength to their half million babies. It's a lot of babies. Not many of them survive. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Obs. But it is, yeah, it, it's one of those things that to find on Netflix and to find for free, it's gorgeously i mean really gorgeously shot and remarkably shot as well the devotion to this every day for a year because it 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 shows you you know the the amount of footage they've put together is quite spectacular and if you like if unlike you ashley you like to look at underwater things and you can cope with that then i think it's well worth a watch it's a little bit the narration can sometimes feel a little bit self-indulgent maybe from Craig Foster, but he's They're obviously American. a great guy. Well, he's South African, actually. Oh no! Okay, I'm sorry. So I think this I shouldn't is made be making by any generalizations at all. But <laughs> and I think we should be. And I think this is probably the first massive international South African hit since maybe. Oh, you know what was that? Well, film that's that a great. Made? Um, Project not not Project Nine. Oh, I know oh, you the mean. Guy who then District went Nine. On to make Chappie. District Nine. District Nine. So it's probably about okay. the first big international breakthrough hit since, well, I would not call Chappie an international. I remember reviewing Chappie for Bumps on Seats. Man, that's a weird film. If you can track Chappie down, check it out. I like that. Um, some weird rap, some weird rap twin brother, sister rap, South African group. <gasps> oh my God. Did you, do you remember? I think it is, then I fucking love that band. Shut yes. your damn mouth. I think Have I you know never you seen mean. Chappie? I've seen Chappie. No. Great. Chappie's great. Hang on. I think... Uh... Because there's a brilliant South African brother-sister 
rap group they're who are very very pet they're almost albino they look almost albino yes in this. yes i love them that is a very different film from the octopus teacher my octopus teacher i'd like to make that very clear but yeah i Diane think you should, you should check it out yes that's uh, them and with hugh jackman with a bizarre mullet and a crazy south african accent and it was all filmed in this disused disused warehouses in johannesburg chappie right pretty 2015 cool. chappie it's fucking on that's why i'm doing and it's dev is it dev patel as well dev i feel like it's dev patel yeah, yeah. and it's charlotte copley anyway to cut a long story short south african international breakthrough <laughs> Anderson Cooper. There we go. Okay. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. It's great. I'm watching it this eve. Watch this it. I'm watching. We'll talk about it next week. I Ooh, might rewatch it. So, joke. but my octopus teacher is right there on Netflix. It's taken me a while to get around to watching it. It's just a beautiful, languid look at, like I say, what really is quite a remarkable creature. And I didn't. I had no idea how what masters of disguise octopi are and from that point of view like i say although i'm not entirely convinced that there was a deep and right. incredibly emotional bond between the two of them they say certainly the octopus wasn't scared by any you know by this diver but then i guess if you go back every day they get very used to you and he's also and now the guy so craig foster is now <laughs> so their testicles. and their head that looks like a nutsack but the um, Craig Foster, who narrates it and presents it, is now the founder of the Sea Change Project. So he he and other divers are now ensuring the protection of the sea kelp forest, which is in that part of the Atlantic by, by his home in South Africa. So he is a good guy, um, even if his narration can sometimes be a little self-serving. It's, it's pleasant. It's charming. So that's still available okay. on Netflix, My Octopus Teacher, isn't it? And it's a certificate yes. of you... So a nice, yes. easy, educational family watch. You for Under the Sea. Emma says yes for Under the Sea. Hot crustacean band. Oh, maybe I'll watch The Little Mermaid again. No, okay. Anyway, well, shall we You can we handle on? that because it's animation. Is that no, why I you can't, love it? No, I can't watch the first sequence in Little Mermaid. I can't watch the shark chase at the beginning. And I also can't watch Finding Nemo. So, cool. Punched an 11-year-old in the face when I watched Finding Nemo. <laughs> I didn't do. It was a... You know, when you get really frightened, you just flail your limbs everywhere. Yeah. So no, animations are no. Still pictures are a no. I can watch, car I can look at cartoon pictures. I can't look at real pictures and I can't watch moving cartoons. Okay. So Did this come from watching Jaws at too early an age or something? Or I reckon it, just... it must have come from The Little Mermaid because I rewatched it when I was about 20-ish. And had a breakdown. I forgot that whole scene existed. So yeah, I've never seen Jaws. You fucking insane. One of the one of the first films I ever saw as a child. I must have been about two or three years old. Parents took me and my sister to go and see. I saw it at the cinema. Do you remember as far back as the cinema that used to exist in what is now the Regal Pub? No, because I was up Huntingdon. I wasn't down here then. Okay, well. So used... our cinema did you turn forget into a... how working oh. you forget how working class Ashley is from her hunting the background yep. to her radio voice. <laughs> you pretty yeah. much the fact that she cries to relay page on Sunday. She uh, again, yeah, terribly working class roots. Yeah, you got to get us off the streets, Sam. So they put us in ballet twenty hours a fucking week. You are like the Billy Elliot of our podcast. Pretty fucking actually. much. <laughs> oh, can i be your julie, julie walters i can't because i can't dance for shit anyway and you don't, and you don't smoke but anyway Stuart, go on <laughs> yeah anyway I, I saw it when i was a kid and i fell asleep watching it and um, and therefore have very little memory of it 
But that's... It's a surprise, we're friends. The um, the live action's coming, which, again, I, I probably won't be able to go see, which I'm very upset about, because Melissa McCarthy is doing um, uh, Ursula. Ursula. <laughs> and Lynn, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda, doing is it, it not? And we've He's, mentioned this before because um, Sophia Coppola was meant to do a live action years ago. That stalled. I guess that would have been a much darker version. But they're just doing a straight live action like the like the Lion King Beauty I, and Beast shit they've done. I guarantee Sophia Coppola would have just made it a much more kind of wistful project. She probably would have based it in like, you know, trendy Brooklyn and stuck some people in sweatshirts. I think she would have gone... to be her shtick. She would have gone full Grimm's Brothers, I reckon, and it would have been dark as fuck. Like the ending of oh, the, the Little Mermaid in real life is horrific. It's dark. It's, it's heartbreaking. Horrific. Yeah, heartbreaking. I got too upset to read it as a child. Anyway, um, right. What are, we, what are we moving on um, to next? So that was anyway. My Octopus Teacher like, on Netflix. I like how we're nearly half an hour into this. We have Babe, we are way more than half an hour into this, and we've only done one. Right, My Octopus Teacher is on Netflix. It's Oscar nominated. Watch it, but not if you have a fear of aqua-based life. Moving on, Solar Opposites. Stuart and Emma loved this by the people that made Rick and Morty. I was a bit skeptic because I love skeptical. Sorry, I love Rick and Morty. I hate it when this kind of thing is brought out. Like, why are you doing the same thing over again? But because the second season came out, Stuart took it down in one go thinks it's great I went back and watched the first season and yeah it's really good it's like the family guy to the Simpsons it's a naughtier version and I like it for that reason but who wants to tell us remind us what it's about and tell us what the second series has to offer so the basic premise as written on Imdaba is a family of aliens move to middle America where they debate whether life is better there or in their home planet and I think one of the great things about it is the fact that the sort of leader um, of of their little sort of pack, as it were, Corvo, um, is pretty much dead set on the idea of completing their mission, which is to terraform the entire planet, planet Earth, into something more akin to their homeworld, which was destroyed by meteors, as gets explained in the opening credits. And it gets... A lot of it's humour, again, from the interactions of aliens who don't know how to behave as humans, but more to the fact that they view humans, human life, human society, with such disdain as well. And season two relies a lot on the fact that they get such a kick out of shitting all over humans. That's the expression that comes up quite often, I think. They just uh, belittle them at every turn and... They make an initial effort to try and do things the human way, but it always ends up being resolved with some sci-fi shit. And they're very self-referential in that regards. Um, this season as well has got a lot more in the way of sort of breaking the fourth wall, or at least self-referencing. This season they start referring to themselves as the solar opposites, and they start referring to themselves as having story arcs and not being able to complete them and stuff. And there's even one funny little takeout where they have a big a big sci-fi budget battle planned and then rather than having it they just cut away to a little post-it note on a, on an animator's desk saying remember to ask hulu for extra money for this sci-fi battle sequence and then they cut back to it and it's just the aftermath because no one's done it and i think it's sort of become a lot more self-referential in this season than the first one and a drop of self-referential did you catch that emma christ He's one of us now. <laughs> one of us. One. Of us. Um, 
both the guys who created it, so Mike McMahon and Justin Roiland, were writers on Rick and Morty. And Mike McMahon worked on the soundtrack for Wayne's World 2. So yeah, I like him. That's, <laughs> that's some niche knowledge. That's very good. That's niche. Right. It's Imdaba knowledge. I lifted it while you were talking about aliens and shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it's been sort of a little bit criticised for being too much like Rick and Morty. But by the same token, it's completely different as well um it's the dynamics it's like a it's an actual family dynamic where they all seem to get along uh whereas rick and morty is very a, a very everyone hates each other yeah exactly and yeah, are they a gay couple the lead two so one of the one of the things is that is that corvo and terry i don't believe they have gender at all right okay so they, they have uh corvo and terry and they They're have kind of life partners or just life friends. partners yeah life right, partners okay. but they also have their replicants yumulak and jesse um and yumulak and jesse if you if you look at them they are basically smaller versions of corvo and terry but with their own distinct personalities so yeah i think that's one of the reasons why they have such a hard time trying to blend in as humans from adult life through to the high school kids is that because they are so alien have you noticed that the pooper which is a dog like thing with the big eyes is like my special needs dog stanley <laughs> i hadn't but um next like time every I see... episode he pulls some shit we we're like if stanley was a human he would he would do that yeah i mean the, the pooper <laughs> the pooper is there he's meant to be like the tool the family or the, pet or whatever not even that he's from the alien side of things like granted he behaves like the family pet and is treated mm -hmm. as such but the reality is the pooper is meant to be like some's armageddon level weapon that is meant to mature and that starts to come to oh. fruition in this season the poop is meant to be the thing that initiates the terraforming of earth into the new home world right i think it's it's cute enough and it's so whereas family guy is the ruder version of the simpsons like this is but with family guy i think you have to listen for every single line because you'd miss stuff you need to do that with rick and morty but this is more like The Simpsons in that it's nice, not background viewing, but you can stick it on and relax into it. You're not going to miss any zingy one-liners if you zone out for 30 seconds. It's easy watching. And if it, it's not an easy watch family version of Rick and Morty because it's way ruder, but it's presented in that way. Yeah, and I think this one's a bit more off the wall as well. It's not as quite as cerebral comedy sometimes. Sometimes mm. it's a lot more um, off the wall, zany, or indeed um, slapstick, or what, what was the comedy version of a jump scare? Uh, on the nose. Uh, perhaps, but basically, like for example, they'll yeah, be doing slapstick. Slapstick, like, like, obvious, yeah. Yeah, but they'll be like doing something completely different, and then something else will burst into the scene and completely disrupt everything and get an immediate laugh because it's so out of context. Right. A lot of okay. that in this season as well. So massive Rick and Morty fan. Is this better? As good? Are not as good? It's its own thing. They are they are comparable, obviously, because they share so mm -hmm. many characteristics together, but they are two different things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they both are worth watching. Partner with a good shouts appeared underwhelmed while we were watching. Not he he appeared whelmed while we were watching it yesterday, whereas he gets excited for new Rick and Morty. So it's a whelming with Rick and Morty. <laughs> Husband with the bad taste is not into this, and then right. he and I was slightly shocked and horrified by the fact I was only Jacob watching it on about episode four. So <laughs> we have taken a break. It is. It but is. I, 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 like I said before, I've I've enjoyed it a lot, and I understand it's been renewed for a season three. So clearly, and it's got a 
you know, it, it, it's got a platform. It's, it's going to run. Yeah, things. it's going to yeah. run for a while. Um, so that's on Hulu. So where where else does so, Hulu? So, so it's on Star as a part of your Disney Plus subscription in the UK. Right. Season one is still only airing every Friday on uh, Disney Plus, and I don't think it's finished yet. But season it's two premieres on April 9th on Disney Plus. But everyone else in other territories can get it on Hulu. Exactly. Okay. It doesn't have... I can't see a certification here. I would put it at a 15, though. A solid 15, at least. Uh, it's... They took... There's teachers talking about... Well, I guess because it's... Because on each other. I, I think that's the thing about Solar Opposites. <laughs> Solar Opposites is purely available on web, web streaming services, so I don't think it falls into the same oh, you don't rating same. systems. Exactly. Oh, interesting sidebar. But you still need the guidance, don't you? Anyway, so that was Solar Opposites on Disney Plus and or Hulu. As good-ish as Rick and Morty. Different kettle of fish. Stuart wouldn't put in the same boat. He's a professional, so I'll listen to him. Also a professional. You two on this type of shit. What made you watch Jack fucking Ryan, Emma? It's like four years old. <laughs> That is so impolite. I think you'll find it's about that is so two impolite. years old. And, um, that is so impolite. Thanks very much. What made me watch it? My husband with a bad taste has been trying to persuade us as a family to watch it for a while. And as I said before, we are currently almost at the end of the entire nine seasons of The Office. So John Krasinski has become quite the favourite in our house anyway. So Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, as it's to give it its full title, is Amazon Prime's take on the Jack Ryan character, who has, of course, originally came from John, John, Tom Clancy's novels. And in fact, I've been looking at a little bit of Wikipedia, which Stuart Handley linked us to. Um, they call them the Ryanverse novels. And even since Tom Clancy died in 2014, they still continue to write these novels. They've topped the bestseller list for 30 years. He was played by Alec Baldwin first, Come for Red October, then Harrison Ford, which I think is in Air Force One, maybe. Then Ben Affleck in something I don't care about because I hate Ben Affleck yeah. more than life itself. And apparently Chris Pine, which I never knew, as in obviously Captain James T. Kirk. Like, um, like maybe he was nice in boat. the film. Anyway, this latest, like, like I say, this latest version is taking it from the big screen to the small screen. This is an eight part, eight episodes in the first season. I'm presuming the same in episodes two and three. And it is John Krasinski, best known as Jim in The Office, which we are also deep into as a family, play. And he sort of moved into, he moved from being tall, amiable comic into this action role. And it seems to fit in very well. So the premise of the first season is that he is involved with trying to stop a Syrian freedom fighter from all terrorists, however you wish to call them, who is committing, who's committed a couple of an awful One man's terrorist. freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Exactly. So Proud he, Northern Irish family we are. Suleiman, his name is <laughs> Suleiman, and he is, in the very first episode, he gets, he, they almost catch him in a kind of sting, and then he gets whisked out of his Syrian compound with his brother. I mean, it's pretty, you, you see in the very opening shot, he and his brother, when the American planes came down and bombed their family to pieces back in the 70s. So you, you've got a backstory. You've got some reason for this. But um, Jack Ryan, with his analytical mind, goes in with his boss, who's played by Wendell Rhimes, who I think was most best known for The Wire, and also, as husband with a bad taste informs me, plays Meghan Markle's dad in Suits. Not her real life dad, her fictional dad. 
and thus an adventure ensues. I think what I like about it is every mm-hmm. episode ends with a gripping cliffhanger. So far, we've had a rescue out of the Syrian compound. We've had a terrible sarin gas attack in a Parisian church. That was pretty rotten. We've had the wife trying to escape with her children. That was pretty gripping. We've had drones shooting down the rapist at the very last minute. We, we, we had, there, was a, there, there was a really interesting episode, actually, which is based around the guys who are working the drones, and you realise just how miserable that is because they're just sitting in a trailer in the Nevada de- desert just outside Las Vegas, killing hits, obviously, killing targets. But then perhaps that target was wrong. And, it, you know, and the, the guy who's the drone operator was just like, you know, I went to I went to flight school. I mean, he's like Maverick, Ashley, and Top Gun. He went to flight school. And instead, he's just sitting in a trailer. Found shit. Bombs on some of the wrong people. <laughs> so, it, you know, it does what it says on the tin. If you've seen any Jack Ryan movies, then you know who Jack Ryan is. And if you've seen any of this kind of thriller type action movies then you also know what's going on but they do it very well and John Krasinski is an incredibly likable screen presence and also really fits the role well he is he's believable both as a bit of a desk jockey and as someone who's seen some real active service and obviously has some kind of trauma in his background which we haven't delved fully into yet and um, Wendell Pierce is awesome as his as his boss and the two of them are, are you know jetting around fighting away so we're as a family really enjoying it it's a good you know it's, it's, it's an excellent hour of well-produced okay. high budget television that the yanks do so well Stuart, i believe has only just started it too so he's also behind the curve and he's even younger than me so you can be rude to him too <laughs> yeah i literally <laughs> i we, we we had a conversation about this on on the group chat and, I, and i've seen it sort of under it's been sort of, I don't know, targeted advertising has probably pointed it my way a few times online while surfing the internet. And a few times I've gone, hmm, that looks quite interesting. I'd like to give that a go, but never do because you know what I'm like. Um, but when Emma mentioned it, it would make good content for the podcast as well. In that context, I thought I'd give it a go. So I've only myself just started watching it today. Um, I'd hope to get maybe one or two episodes in before we recorded, but for one reason or another, I didn't get around to it. But I've just I've got about halfway through the first episode and yeah already i'm i'm feeling myself being drawn in i'm already intrigued to see what's going on i want to know what's happening with the characters that i've seen so far um yeah the jack ryan character he seems to be likable and already has been subtly hinted at that he's got his previous career in the marines and everything um and so far it's been done quite well and it's so far as well i thought as well the sort of portrayal of the terrorists has been kind of stereotypical and it's kind of early days yet because you get like these sort of toy- toyota trucks pull up with a bunch of guys in turbans and ak-47s but then i've seen worse depictions of it. i've seen more stereotypical and less uh favorable and this time it makes them look a bit more realistic perhaps not having done any active service myself i couldn't say but it's it just seems to have been done in a in a in a tasteful way if that's correct 
I think so. And as it continues on, like I say, you have his wife, you have Suleiman's wife who realizes that she needs to get away. And there is then a depiction of the refugee camps in Syria, in Syria and then Turkey as they're trying to get when their way to safety, as it were, without anyone, because obviously they've got not, you know, her husband is not terribly happy that she's left him. So she, he's desperate to get him back. And you've also got the Americans who are obviously looking for her as a, you know, for intelligence. And that's done pretty sensitively. I thought it's got a very good TV pedigree. One of the, the key guy the key guy behind it is a guy called Charlton Carlton Coos, who was very involved with Lost, who won a ton of Emmys at the beginning. I mean, I know Lost maybe lost its way. See what I did there. But certainly at the beginning when Lost came out, it was, you know, absolute water cooler TV. So I think this comes with a pedigree. It was created by a television by a guy called Graham Rowland, who this is his first big thing, and he was the one that sort of came across it. But I think they've done a good job of updating what was quite an 80s trope into the 20 teens and beyond. And I am here for it. It's taken me a while to be, it's taken me a while to succumb to Husband with a Bad Taste's pressure to watch it. But now actually it's one of the few things that we're all coming together as a family to watch and everybody is gripped. So yeah. There's two seasons made. There's another one on the way. I presume, like everything else, the pandemic has you know halted production on that for quite some time because I imagine these are big budget, many locations, big set productions. You're, you're yeah. coming from Washington to Syria to Turkey to... Yeah, the, yeah, the first season was 2018, the second 2019, then the next one isn't listed until 2021, so that makes yeah. sense, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, very good, and it's available on Amazon Prime, and I am enjoying it very much and i hope that stuart continues to it's a, it, you know it, it's boys it's boys own adventure stuff it's good it won't be up your it boys won't be up your strata so bo- boys owned out minutes ago bo- boys own attention at what point does ronan keaton get his cameo in the series <laughs> too busy doing crooning with gary but oh no but the crooning sessions are now over aren't they because we're out of lockdown so maybe <laughs> he can free himself up I'd love to see Ronan Keating pop up in this. There is, in this first season, actually, Abby Cornish is in it. In a, it's, it's a very half-hearted love interest. This is the one thing that is annoying me a bit, but apparently she disappears at the beginning of season two. And that made me realise I haven't seen Abby Cornish for a while. Is that the one actress? that was going out with Ryan Felipe? I think you could be right. I mostly know her. I remember her for um, Candy, which was that Australian film, I think, where she's in, with Heath Ledger and very archetypal heroin addiction drama but she hasn't she, she for a while she seemed to be the next big thing and now she just seems to have drifted away but actually she was overshadowed it, by her relationship with a white man emma that's why i actually think looking <laughs> at her performance in this it's because she's not actually very good that's or that. what i can say or that okay well where did where do people watch um tom clancy's jack ryan by the way amazon prime easy amazon to find prime Amazon Prime. Jennifer Cut 15. Should you care about that shite? Or really? some explosions, a touch of violence. Yeah, some explosions, yeah. some fairly horrific gas violence at times and swearing. There you go. Gas violence? Well, they did, they did a big terror attack with gas. That was, it was pretty, oh. that was pretty grim. Oh dear. Okay. Well, shall we go on to something that's a, a lot less grim that Emma's been trying to sell to me? Um, since it came out was this beginning of 2020 this feels old as well but I really feel like I've lived two years in one and what is time and I I had to google how old I was literally went onto my old Facebook like oh I'm 33 I thought I was turning 
33 this year, but I'm turning 34. That's how bad this year has been. Like Jerry Halliwell slash Catherine Seeds Jones, you can always shave a year off every so often. So oh, you end I, up. I, I'm not even bothered. I just can't do the maths. I just honestly don't know. <laughs> I can't do I can't the 1987 maths. Can't do the maths. Emma was trying to sell me Ted Lasso for ages. So way back when? Way back when it first came out on Apple TV because she was a proponent of Apple TV, as she has been a Disney Plus with her multiple streaming services opened her. Stuart and I slumming it back on Prime and Netflix, just the two-handers that we were. Um, we've seen the light in various ways, but Jason Sudeikis is an American football coach who gets pulled over to the UK to coach a pretty good English football team, but the rub here is the lovely actress called Hannah Waddingham who is classically trained, you would have seen her on, on the West End, which is a better version of Broadway, in case you don't know what that means. Um, so she owns it. She got the club in her divorce from the horrible man who played the Demon Headmaster. And I always forget his name. Anthony Head, also famous for Gold Blend Coffee Adverts. Anthony ah. Stewart Head, thank you. <laughs> Anthony Stewart Head, anyone mine and Stewart's age, hates Anthony Head because of the Demon Headmaster, and he is a cunt in this, so that... Oh, no, no, he also didn't. He also play um, Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so he's yes. likable for that. Oh yeah, I also hate anything to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it's the one thing that takes uh, partner with the good shouts away from me romantically. There's <laughs> like, a special place in his heart for that entire production, and I'm not here for it. Moving on, I've never um, watched it, but so I don't mind Anthony Head. Demon Headmaster Anthony Head divorces Hannah Waddingham she gets his football club in the divorce because she's a fucking boss and her well small spoiler alert but you learn this in the first episode her big plan is to bring this lovely plinky plinky howdy doody high school American football coach in to to coach this relatively big time English football team hoping to run it into the ground, destroy the only thing her ex-husband ever loved. We've got the beautifully adorable Jason Sudeikis in the role of Ted Lasso taking over this club. Um, and Brendan Hunt, who I really didn't know before this, but really brilliant actor playing his kind of um, silent Bob to the lead character as his co-coach. And Brett Goldstein is the current captain of the football club he was a big timer back in the day but he's in his kind of mid-30s now which is past it for footballers very angry lots of pent-up anger i think he's kind sexually i think because he's called roy <laughs> kent in it obviously and i yes. don't think that's a coincidence that that name is so similar to roy Keane. there was a roy Keane-esque look about him because he is incredibly angry all the time i don't know anything about this kind of shite well, maybe some of our listeners, maybe two of our listeners will. But um, it's, yeah, there is this anger, but then you realise that actually underneath the anger, he is like a soft teddy bear. There's also a delightful term from Juno Temple as... I was about to, yeah, flag her up. So I, I can't amazing. remember what I've seen her in. She's a brilliant... She, she, is she English? Because She is English. She's the daughter yeah. of Julian Temple, the oh, 1980s right. movie director who did sort of very artsy things. She is his daughter although she may well have oh been no now up. i have to hate her emma now i have to hate her don't why because of nepotism i can't can stand nepotism except that some people 
even I won't though, I won't, even though we'd never different, are still very good. Um, no. She was I'm a little part bird. of the p- problem, so I'm not part of the solution. I cannot accept her, but she is cuteish. She was no, in I, uh, on here, which was not great. Um, but I think you, I kind of think she was in Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey with that revolting fried chicken scene. I don't remember where I saw her from, but I just like her in this. And there's a lovely, reminded me of us, M. There's a lovely, closely cross-generational relationship between her and Hannah Waddingham, Waddingham's True. character. Um, make me the was, boss here. I like it. I like that. You're like the that boss. Lot. Horrible, messy divorce. You're a millionaire. You buy all my dinners. Um, True. And <laughs> I just teach you, actually, no, because backwards, you teach me how to be a fun young Alas, but we have a similar friendship and I enjoyed it much. Um, and it's, it's it's very easy watching. It's, I think a lot of the acerbic witty writing is hidden in how easy watching it is. Every other line is a zinger, but you're kind of lulled into this false sense of security. So I think they're not getting as much um, kudos as they should, the writers. I think it's also not just... Uh, not just because it's your lot of false security it also and I think I said this before when I might mention when I was when I was watching this all those months ago it is it's got such a heart Ted Lasso himself the character of Ted Lasso that I think Jason Sudeik has created for an insert for one all of the main characters created it together so it's a big group um effort and I think they first did this about three years ago on NBC they had this small sort of sketch if you like eight minute sketch with with Ted Lasso but the character of Jason Sudeikis himself as well he's come to the UK because he's also getting divorced he also you know he's desperately trying to win his wife back but she's not having any of it and he is he seems so kind of all shucks on the surface and he is but he just has such a heart and that's just what people didn't realize they needed which sounds really cheesy but it's done in such a lightness of touch and like you say so well written and with such a great ensemble cast that it, it works. And the more and more I watched it, the more and more I got into it. And we were, I was really quite sad when it's, I'm very pleased, obviously, that he got recognized for his performance in the Golden Globes. I'm very pleased it's this has been all over American awards ceremonies. Yeah. And I'm very, and I'm very pleased it's coming back for another season because it yeah. is delightful. There's, you know, there's an ongoing, there's this whole ongoing thing where he brings. Hannah Waddington's character biscuits every day and she's like the best biscuits I've ever eaten and you know exactly where the biscuit thing is coming from but it's even when you find out still so beautiful I cried and laughed at this and it's a delight I really liked Nick Mohammed as well who plays the kit boy early on um uh, a Leeds actor from England he's had small parts in things like the Martian Bridget Jones's baby and the absolutely fabulous film. And I think this has put him front and center. He's a pretty big character in this. I really liked him too. So yeah, and Brendan Hunt, who I didn't know from any anywhere else as the kind of silent Bob um Coach Beard. Toe coach. Yeah. Coach Beard, what a great name. Stuart, have you watched this yet? No, I was like gonna chip him with another stupid joke. <laughs> Go on. Minor roles. He's only he's he's not a lead actor, he's a leads actor. Very good. You should watch it. I'm going to say, and this is not going to improve Ash's opinion of my dear brother one little bit, but get off my dick, Richard. I started, and I said, Richard, are you watching Ted Lasso? And he's like, ugh, no, I started watching it first. It just annoyed me because there'd be no, you know, the Premier Club had the wrong name. And if you know anything about football, none of this makes sense. And 
there is that aspect to it because this Premier League team doesn't really, yeah, the name, it's all filmed in Richmond, I think, and they are called Richmond AFL, which sounds like an Australian name anyway. But providing you are not a football, a soccer obsessive, you're going to get a lot of enjoyment out of this. So I've told, I also yeah. told, get off my date, Richard, to get right back onto this. And I, said, I fucking hate football. Again. I think it's stupid. I don't want to watch a dozen adulterers running around a field of polyester, but I enjoyed this. Also, Brett Goldstein, front and center, my number three boo. If you haven't seen Adult Life Skills, go and watch that. And we all obsessed over the um, series he created called Soulmates. Yeah. Which is a newish one. He's very clever. I like, and in very fact, as clever. you well know, you. Very and, nice voice as well. I like his voice. You and Husband with a Bad Taste share an enormous crush on Brett Goldstein because he was in love with Boy from the first episode. I would tag team Brett with Husband with a Bad Taste, for sure. Well, I wasn't going quite that far, but maybe if I can get an octopus involved with its testicles, <laughs> we can see where things go. Life could get crazy. very <laughs> upset by this turn of events. Where does... So, Ted um, Lasso is... It's Apple, on um, Apple TV, yeah. Apple, Apple TV. TV which if any of you have bought any kind of Apple product i believe in the last year then you get a free subscription to apple tv plus anyway so use it for that and there's other good there is some other good stuff on there yeah they have uh, yeah they they've got good shit it's it's few and far between but when it's good it is great on apple tv plus they're only going to get better aren't they until they get bought out by facebook or some crap um shall we move on to the final and best so the reason we left Promising Young Woman until the end, we're not planning on revealing any spoilers, but if you want to see Promising Young Woman, which is coming out in April, we hope, on um No, it's been given. It's not, it, I'm going to be really confident about this. And say yeah. It's no longer hope, because to be honest, they talked about releasing this back in February. And I think they've held off in the UK due to the fact it's now done so incredibly well in the Oscar nominations. It should First, have got a cinema release, but it's not going to. I, maybe they were thinking, could they hold out long enough for cinemas to open? But mm. to be honest, it's realistically, that's going to be what, end of mm. May, beginning of June. Mm-hmm. But this is the very, Emerald Fennell, in being nominated for an Oscar for this film, is the very first British female to ever be nominated for an Oscar. And okay, this is a year where maybe you could argue the competition has been a little slacker than usual because of the The only way pushed. we can muscle ourselves in, babe. But she deserves it for this because... Mm-hmm. As Ashley is about to explain to you, it is one of the most original, clever. It is. Yes. Yeah. It's films I've seen in a long, long time. So it's coming out here on April the 16th. April the 16th on Sky Cinema. Yeah, Sky Cinema, which I think is available on now. And then whatever else you can get that on. She, um, this is only her, this is her first feature. She's directed Emerald Fennel. She wrote a few episodes of Killing Eve, a few episodes of another TV show called Drifters. This is her first big writing credit. And she, the story of her as a person and the the type of film we're going to talk about reminds me a lot of when Juno came out and that writer-director got an Oscar and it was the first thing she ever wrote. Um, Promising Young Woman, if you are going to watch it, I would switch off now. We're not going to give you spoilers, but we went into this knowing nothing. And it was an incredible ride from the beginning. So it's about uh, Carrie Mulligan is in the lead role. She's a young woman who's traumatized. There's a tragic event. Something bad happened to a friend of hers in the past. And she's kind of carrying that trauma and guilt with her. 
And in her own way, she's kind of trying to find vengeance for what happened to her friend. It's quite obvious that she's got her own issues that she's working through. She's maybe pinning that on this event with her friend. I can't even think where to start without spoilers, but it's she's so Karen Mulligan was in medical school. She's working at a coffee shop. She picks up men every night she can in clubs. She pretends to be very drunk. More that she lets them pick right. her up. She, I think that's really, yeah. yeah, she pretends to be very drunk in clubs. She allows Waits herself then to be picked up by men. And then when they get back, there's an ulterior motive to that. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty explosive and interesting on its own. This thing just goes from naught to a hundred. It's it clubs together so many different genres of film. They shove in sort of happy clappy rom com in the middle. It's it is the best marriage of grotesque violence and sexual violence against women. Rom com, indie, cute film humor and horror I have ever seen I think and I am so pleased it's getting really troubling press because of course it's getting really troubling press because it's a fucking tricky film and the kinds of people who are reviewing this saying it's troubling of course it's fucking troubling I haven't read much trouble. I've read, I've mostly I've been really really excited about this coming out, and I've mostly read very. We waited pause. for so long to talk about this because we watched a screener ages yeah. ago, and I've mostly been mostly I've been reading really positive reviews for this because, like I said, particularly at this point in time when there is this very large conversation to be had about women feeling unsafe and the way we should be educating men to try and stop us, you know, to stop this from from happening as much so yeah you you have this Carrie, Carrie Mulligan's performance first of all is blistering and it's hard to believe this is the same actress who only about four weeks ago we were discussing in the dig Carrie Mulligan, oh, Mulligan God, I think is yeah. turning into one of our finest finest UK actors and I have yeah. I, I have such a lot of time for her uh-huh. and as Ashley said she is leading this kind of double life if you like she's moved back in with her parents beautifully played by Jennifer Coolidge of Legally Stifler's Blonde mom. and Stifler's mom fame and Clancy Brown, who I love because his face looks like it's been hewn from a mountain. And they live in this, the styling in this film. I love the styling in this film as well. There is this pastel colour palette. Incredibly times the house they live in, that the parents' house is just one of the, it's, I believe it's in Ohio. I think it's meant to be in a town in Ohio. So it's kind of middle of America, but they live in this bonkers house with chandeliers and, and sofas and this designer she's moved back there and they are obviously concerned about her because like as she said she's clearly working her way through some mental health issues as well as this PTSD type yeah, stuff. yeah exactly the trauma that's happened to her and then she almost has this meet cute with this guy played by Bo Burnham who went to her he's he a great a stand-up he was in things like the big sick he's he's up and coming as well Bo Burnham very likable funny Flappy, sweet guy, great cast. Yeah, great casting for this guy that that appears to be super sweet and super respectful of women and everything he needs to be for her. So that's good. 
that and, and like you say, there is this sort of romance that's going alongside. And there's a lovely term from Alison Bree as an old friend of hers, yes. who's turned into just the worst kind of psychopathic comp- competitive mom <laughs> ever. She's good at that. And um, you have a couple of cameos from some of the guys that she picks up to bring home. There's Adam Brody right at the very beginning. There's yes. Christopher Mintz Plass, who played who I think I'd seen this bit in a clip and that is really funny because he is high as shit. Oh, he's, suddenly he's um, McLovin. McLovin from um, Superbad. And then there is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant performance. And I'm trying to find him from the guy from Glow who I just love. Um, and I'm trying to find his name, which is terribly slack of me while I'm talking about this because I love the guy who plays the... Um, well, what, what we mean to say is all of these men who are cast, you'll see why they're very cleverly cast after the fact. So they've written specific characters. You think they've cast a brilliant, lovely, nice guy in Hollywood in comedy perfectly. And then you might change your mind about some of them. So, yeah, lovely Seth from the OC. What a nice guy. How lovely he must be. And that is where everyone find this really troubling so um when that case about sarah came out recently was her name sarah in sarah everard sarah everard who was murdered by a a police officer walking home which has rocked across the world but especially here in england and of course there's always a backlash from this ridiculous group who are like oh it's not all men i'm like great well that's not the conversation we're trying to have this film head on squares up to you nose to nose head butts you with the information that i don't give a fuck if it's not all men because it's pretty much fucking all of them that are capable of this and you have no idea who it is there's not one type of man who is capable of doing the stuff that happens to women in this film and they're forcing you to look at every type of man in your life and anyone can turn out to be an uber cunt given the right circumstances so the guy, the actor's name that I very I couldn't find <laughs> was Chris Chris Lowell, who played Bash in Glow. I really like. I he he plays the guy that manages him, and it's a, again an awesome turn from him. Now, this as a film, it is a debut feature. Like I said, there was so much love about this the performances, the, the look of it. Mm-hmm. It does turn. It takes all kinds of turns and all kinds of genres. And I won't lie, for me, it didn't necessarily hit the beats for everything it, it right. doesn't it doesn't it wasn't perhaps... shoved in wasn't it but i i enjoyed it's the not... shoved in well you realize why it has to be it's not perhaps yeah. quite as cohesive as it could be but it takes it takes you to places where you think you know it's going to go and then the last 15 minutes it goes somewhere you did not expect it to go at all and this is when husband with the bad taste Fucking you've greatly crazy. been enjoying it lost he lost it like i've never seen him lose it since um a star is a born. star is born and he was furious i mean he was genuinely furious Fucking so crazy it's as a like this is what i said at the beginning it's such an original piece of work and in a year where we haven't had an awful lot released an awful lot of big releases perhaps or a lot of the releases that have come out that have been recognized are historical films like black like jesus and black messiah like the trial of the chicago seven a lot of these are powerful historical factual films this is completely original written from scratch She's and, nominated at the Oscars for Best Original Screenplay, and I and there's a vast a chance. I think so. There's a vast amount of conversation to be had off the back of this film because, as you say, it 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 it, it takes you so it it takes 
it's satirical about so many different genres. And in that last 10 minutes, which I can't really say, it reminded me so much of certain of, of a certain type of film that came out in the early noughties, but it's totally spun on its head. And I loved it for that. And I, yeah, I also, I have a huge wig phobia, but Carrie Mulligan's wig that she wears in the final <laughs> scene, I loved, and I could have worn that myself. The candy colours. Yeah, the candy, the palette is, the palette is great. It looks great. And it's, yeah, I think for a debut both, you know, debut directorial feature, I think Emerald Fennell has knocked out of the park. Screenplay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's, think she's, I think she's kind of been the showrunner on Killing Eve. And so you will, if you like Killing Eve, there is a vibe of that in this as well, obviously. You're going to feel very uncomfortable for laughing so much and having so much fun and then having to look at some fucking horrific stuff and... But, it but, it really worked for me and I think it worked for me and I felt at the end quite I felt empowered and I was quite I thought it was you know I could see the I saw the ending as kind of a happy ending whereas James did not very much so I, I think you right. can come from both sides I thought it was a greatly an empowering. empowering choice a choice taken for the person who made it for the reasons they wanted yeah. to and it all worked out it's you're gonna feel weird this information is delivered to you in an abstract way but it it keeps you going until the end and I think it will help lots of different types of audiences who don't feel they need to be as close to these stories they don't affect them it will deliver it to them in a yep. in a palatable way um it's enjoyable it's fucking dark and horrific but it's a good ride and it's and it's quirky for a long for a lot of its running time it's not necessarily dark and horrific in that way it, it, oh, like no, you no, say, no, it's, no. it's served up even the this... dark and horrific stuff you realize after it's happened you're like holy shit right okay now we're on to the next bit but christ did you see what happened back then like i haven't seen anything like this for a long time i can't <laughs> think of something that's it's, it's no i can't and ah she was in the last one when i watched drive i remember thinking i've never seen a film like this before I and think is, again, I'm, I've never seen a film like this before. Because Carrie Mulligan is a producer on this, and obviously her star power, I imagine, went some Got way it, to ensuring there was for funding sure. for this. And as I say, not only is she one of our best actresses, I just think she makes really interesting choices. And mm. that has been some time since there have been times when I haven't thought that. I remember that suffragette movie. I was a bit like, oh, I can't. but the more she's grown. Yeah. Good honor. Interesting yeah. choices. And just like I say, the combination of this and the dig, there it beggars belief. Right. So I hope and I think she's been reckoned, she's been nominated for best actress, I think. Don't she think has. she'll win it. She won't. But, <laughs> but good honor for being nominated. Yeah, it's nominated for five Oscars, promising young woman. Sadly, I don't think I don't think it's gonna win in any of the categories, but huge that it's been nominated five times when it comes out in april grab it this is the greatest thing you're going to see this year i promise you yeah and if it's not the great if it's not necessarily the greatest thing it's certainly it gives the you most food for thought yeah. and like i said there is a real conversation to be had around this particularly at Agreed. this time yeah and from from that aspect it was yeah wonderful you don't think you need to see this because you're woke enough and you know it all and you're grand and you're a nice guy then you need to fucking see it. You're exactly the kind of person who needs to see it. Um, shall we quickly run down what we did talk about? Oscar-nominated documentary, My Octopus Teacher, is on Netflix at the moment. Solar Opposites, that's on Disney Plus and Hulu, is it? I get mixed up. Disney Plus, um, yeah, Disney Plus Star, 
uh, and okay. Hulu in and the Hulu. States. And then Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, you get that on Amazon Prime. Ted Lasso is on Apple TV. And then Promising Young Woman is coming out in April on Sky Cinema. And then you'll be able to get it on whatever Sky Cinema is where you are. So, like, is that Now TV? Yes, Now TV or Sky Go. Sky Go. Okay, cool. That was a nice bumper Sunday sesh, lads. It was. Thank you very much. I'm pleased I put on my fanciest frock for it. Now I'm going to go. Now I'm going to go and roast some chicken. I slept in these clothes, did yoga in these clothes, and haven't showered. I went to a shop in these clothes. Like I'm, I'm milking the last of lockdown. Like I'm, I'm here for it. My husband and Dad and I talked about this, and yeah, I, I did not shower yesterday. I merely used my hot tub. Ha! That's the most middle class thing I've ever said. On top oh. of the fact that today I was scrubbing pigeon poo off the AstroTurf, possibly the second most middle class thing I've ever done. AstroTurf, Emma, stop talking. Right, well, go and <laughs> go and Don't lose the four listeners we have. <laughs> I'm sure Stuart's smoking some kind of meat. Not was... yet, but I did order the first charcoal of the season, so. Well, soon, because soon we can all come and eat your smoked meat in your garden. Because <laughs> we'll be allowed to. Monday. That sounded so wrong, but you know. Up to six people <laughs> smoking meat in a garden. Up to six, we're allowed. Or two households, actually. We could invite around another household of five and have up to ten still within the Holy law. shit. Terribly exciting. I don't want three more children in my garden, thanks. Absolutely not. <laughs> Well, Hendrick's been double jab, jab, by the way. My, hus- my husband, my father, had a second vaccination. My almost eighty-one-year-old father, he was appalled because he said, "You know, when you have your second vaccination in France, they give you a glass of good red wine." So then, of course, we all laughed and said, "Well, there'd be a my wine mountain in France at the moment because I don't think they're doing too well with second vaccinations." Here, just a boil of sweet, sweet, and then he was horrified that he can't now. He was like, "Right, I need to book. I need to book my ticket on the Eurostar to go to Paris." I gently reminded him that is still actually illegal. There is no yeah. holidays <laughs> illegal. And Paris fine. is pretty much in lockdown. And he said, "Oh, so you say? I'll be looking into it." So that's where oh. uh, <laughs> double jabbed, invincible. He's ready. He's ready to take on the world. Ready to infect everyone else. But <laughs> fuck it. Well, cheers, lads. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. I, don't subscribe. I, I don't even know what that fucking means. But <laughs> it's meaningless. We're going to be coming up to our year anniversary soon, by the way, guys. We should do something oh, really special oh for that. God, we are excited. Probably... That's the yeah. I had to dig up the date. Yeah. Uh, well, what number, what number is this episode? 38. This is 38. So. Oh, okay. But we definitely haven't done one every week. No. And we must be coming. It Because it, we started quite soon. Well, after Emma and I tried our own and it was shit. We didn't get yeah. Stuart in for a little while. But yeah, I think we'll be out of lockdown by the time it's our proper year anniversary, I hope. But anyway, enough about COVID. Fuck that shit. Go and day drink. Watch something that makes you happy. Have a little cotch on the sofa because you've got to go back to your real life soon. And no one wants that, right? Absolutely no one. Suck up the best of what this has got to offer us for now. Now that we've all become... Now we've all become institutionalised and accepting of this. Now that the Great Reset has happened and mm-hmm. that they have stamped down our spirit. Or, Sexy. like Stuart, you can join with the flag freedom fighters of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because Stuart's greatly loving the, the baddies of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> like, they're like, they don't believe in flags or borders and neither does Stuart. Oh, neither do I. Do I. No, Ooh. none of us do. Whoop, whoop. Fancy. We're we left as fuck. We're woke as fuck. Cool. Well, you know that. I just pretend to be middle class. Right. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Bye, Bye. bitches. Au revoir. Bye.